today I want to talk to you about the topic of poor packaging rich merchandise. Poor packaging rich merchandise. Just stay with me. I know I'm talking a little elongated, but I promise I will not be long, and I promise what I am saying you will find in your heart that it brings you joy and it will give you life because it is the word of God. Amen? Amen. So has anybody ever worked in retail? Those who, of course, are old enough to work. Anybody ever worked in retail? Okay. So I work in retail as a second job, and, you know, it could be fun. It has its moments of despair. <laughs> but it also comes with a lot of perks and benefits, right? So um, as an employee of a retail store, uh, you get an employee discount which means you don't pay full price for the th stuff, right? Um, you know when the sales are, when stuff is going to be cheaper, right? And then maybe stocking. You're putting merchandise up onto the shelves, and so maybe that allows you to get the first opportunity to buy the goods, right? And then my favorite is what we call write-offs, which is also better known as damages, right? So uh, marking out damaged merchandise, what, what comes with that? What do you have to do? So when you have damaged merchandise, you first want to assess the packaging. You want to see is there damages, what's wrong with it, where's the scratch, where's the dent, why is it open, what's going on, right? And then you want to determine the amount of damage done to the exterior, done to the outside. Well, what does this packaging look like, right? Um, then you want to do a little more investigation. You might ask yourself to determine if the merchandise is salvageable or if the merchandise is worth saving or if you can save it, right? Point blank, can I use this? Okay? So looking over the exterior and throwing away the merchandise, um, but not looking on the inside based on the look of the packaging will have you overlooking and throwing away something in perfect working condition. Many times I found myself going through and looking at the damaged merchandise and based on how it looks on the outside, no, I don't want it. I'm going to go to the next one. Let me look some more. Let me see what else is in here. What else I want? No, I don't want that. That looks kind of, no, okay. You know, you keep looking and you keep looking on what you can see on the outside. But I am overlooking the stuff that what's on the inside is what I really want in the first place, right? So in the same way, this reminds me of how people overlook you because you always have troubles. You may have moments of uncertainty. You may experience or receive some uh, hostility or mistreatment from other people, and you might even be kicked down. But God's grace, his power, and his sovereignty prevents us from being crushed and living life without hope. Yeah, this treasure that we have, I have the inside of me, does not subject me to an emotional state of feeling undesirable or left behind insecure or thrown away neither does it reduce you to being useless or to nothingness we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed however to understand this to 
to get this in your mind, there has to be what we call a transformation. So Paul, who is the author of this chapter and this book and most of the New Testament, Paul begins this chapter letting us know about being transformed only through God's mercy has been given the ministry of bearing the message that transforms those who receive it. So what that means is that had Paul not experienced God's grace, his ministry of spreading this gospel or this news that has um, um, extended mercy to him, he would not be able to transform those who receive it or the message would not be able to uh, transform those who receive it. Because um, if I've ever been happy, and I express to you uh, my state of happiness, I'm going to sound happy. But if I've never experienced happiness, I'm not going to sound happy, right? So if I have not experienced God's grace, if I have not experienced God's mercy, then the message that I'm giving out is not going to take root because there's no power behind that, amen? There's no conviction behind that. So a ministry like this is grounded and rooted in a personal experience of God's mercy in Christ. This experience is a powerful incentive for unselfish service in carrying the message to others. It rejects every resemblance of a false life. And on the other hand, it presents itself by a true testimony lived before God as well as men. So that means not only will God be able to see my lifestyle, but People will be able to see my lifestyle and they will know because of how I live my life. Amen. Amen. Because God sent Paul, he cannot use deception or distort or change anything that God has said. And that's a major problem in today's church. We've got too many people lying on God and changing what he said to fit their view, to fit their agenda and to fit their will and simply not God's will. If our message, the gospel, is obscure, if it's not discovered, or if it's uncertain in any way, it's not because it's being held back purposely. No, it's because the world is looking and going the wrong way and refuses to give it serious attention. All they have eyes for is the fashionable God of darkness, which is Satan, the devil. And I used to get so frustrated with talking to people, not trying to save them because it ain't nothing that I can do, but the power of God that can. But you get so frustrated sometimes when it seems like the gospel or the message that you're carrying falls on deaf ears. Nobody's receiving it. Nobody's hearing. They're just looking at you or they refute everything that you say. But I had to learn not to get in my feelings about that because they're not fighting me. They're fighting God. Amen. And see, they think he uh, they think Satan, the devil, can give them what they want and that they won't have to bother believing a truth that they cannot see. They are simply blinded to the light of the saving gospel that shines with Christ, who gives us the best imagery of God will ever get on this side of heaven. The conversion of Paul. In spite of his attempts to completely destroy Christianity, is seen as evidence of the power of divine grace with no fall so deep that grace cannot descend to it and no height so lofty that God's grace cannot lift the sinner to it. Amen. It also determines God's power to use everything, even the hostile persecutor, to achieve the divine 
purpose. So what that means, that means if, if you've been a thief, if you've been a murderer, if you've done things that you know have not been pleasing to God, there is nothing that you can do that God cannot take and use for his glory. There is nothing, no no depth, no height, no anything, nowhere that you can go to hide from God that he can't, once he get a hold of you, change you and use you for his glory. Amen. So the conversion is Paul's understanding of the significance in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This caused him to rethink from the ground up everything that he believed in from his own identity to his understanding of Christ and who God really is. After his conversion and baptism, Paul began to proclaim that Jesus is the Christ. He spoke to many people about the gospel, including kings and rulers and Jewish and Roman leaders and other people who had never heard the gospel before, even those that lived in faraway countries. This conversion advertises Jesus. The gospel must be proclaimed and set forth, for unless he, Jesus, becomes visible, our gospel is veiled to those that are lost. See, Satan, the God of this present age, has blinded the minds of believers to the light of the gospel. John 12, 31 through 32 says, Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. It is therefore important, essential, that if this blindness is to be penetrated, Christ, not we ourselves, must be proclaimed. He is the only divine source of light, not you, not me, not we, but simply Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We are the human source. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. The same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. So the repetitious of this message is that your light has to shine that people will see God in you. That's the whole beauty of us being redeemed is that I was this and I was something that wasn't pleasing to God. But then God took me and he made me new and he put his light in me. And now I have this light that where there was darkness, I can shine and give people light. I can give them hope. I can give them joy and love and peace, not because of me or any goodness of my own, but because of who and what is living on the inside of me. And that's the whole importance of having Jesus live on the inside of you is for you to do the impossible. Amen. For the light of the gospel may also be described as that which has been placed in the minds and hearts of its human bearers as treasure 
placed in jars of clay. The light must shine from God through us. The treasure of the Holy Spirit indwelling in jars of clay, which are fragile earthly containers, which is our bodies, that the excellency of the power might be from God and not from us. The whole source of this is that it's God and simply not us. We can get so uh, big-headed about ourselves and think we're so great and have all this confidence, which we are supposed to walk with a certain amount of confidence, but it's I walk with confidence because I know who gave it to me, not because I gave it to myself. And some of us need to check our spirits because that Im it, it, it impedes on God's work because of how other people see us. You can't go around talking you a Christian and all of this stuff and then you got a haughty spirit. You're unapproachable. People don't feel comfortable talking to you because they feel like you're going to you're going to judge them. And where is God in that? Where is you bringing hope to somebody in that? Where is you displaying love to somebody in that? Where is God in that behavior? This is not meant to make you feel bad, but it's meant to make you take a look within yourself to make sure that your check marks are equating to Jesus, right? It's equating to God getting the glory. It's equating to it's his strength. It's his wisdom. It's his knowledge in which I move and operate by. Amen. See, the proclamation does not prompt or promote its bearer, but it only promotes its subject, Jesus Christ, the Lord, a second Adam, the beginning of a new creation. Second Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Aren't you glad you're new? Do I have anybody that's been made over? Is anybody excited about the new creation that you become and the new creation that he's steadily causing you to become? Amen. Matthew chapter 13. Uh, verses 44 through 46, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovers hidden in the field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he had to own it so he could get the money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for a fine pearl, nice piece of jewelry. When he discovered the pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. What this is, is the parable illustrates the immeasurable, the immeasurable worth of the kingdom in spite of its seeming insignificance and invisibility. So what that means is that our, our, our talking about this goal to make it to heaven, right, to see Jesus, you know, it kind of seems... Uh, a little bit insignificant and invisible. Why? Because we can't physically see that. We don't have a word, you know, nobody's been able to give a firsthand account, you know, of what it is to die and go to heaven and see Jesus. You might have some accounts where they experience it, but we don't fully know to the full extent what heaven is really like, right? And so that produces insignificance because the world wants to always uh, have proof about this is what it is. And, 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 and this is proof that this happened and that it's equated to that. And so to us, you know, or to the world, it seems invaluable. 
But the kingdom, even in its present hidden manifestation, is worth everything one has and brings great joy. The power of the trans uh, of the transformation or being transformed belongs to the treasure placed within the jars of clay, not its receptacle. But the receptacle, which is frail and worn and delicate, is measurably changed by its contents. So before I got filled with the light, before I got filled with the truth, I had nothing but junk and baggage and unnecessary stuff that I had to deal with and was exposed to. But once I got the light, that dark storage became lighted. And so what was invisible became visible, right? So the things that displeased God, the, the backbiting and the murmuring, you know, in our thought process and how we think and being victims to our own circumstances and decisions, right? And now because that light has been shined, I know the truth. I can see what's in me that's not right because I have a checklist to go by and what I need to make sure is in my container, right? What's in my receptacle? And that's the light. That's Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. He that intended us to be the head and not the tail, the lender and not the borrower, above and not beneath. It's all about what you know and what you put in yourself that allows it to come out. Amen. So troubled, yet not distressed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. The believer experiences suffering and death, as did his Lord, so that Christ's life may be revealed and seen in him. A placement of the treasure within the believer does not change the conditions nor circumstances of your life. So because now I've accepted this light, that does not excuse me from having troubles. It does not excuse me from having circumstances that seem hard or are unbeknownst to you. But what it does is instead of it seeming impossible, instead of it seeming so hard and, and frightening, you can take it on headstrong. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. When you've built yourself up with something that'll prepare you to fight, you have no fear. Why? Because you've got all the tools that you need. And all you need to do is call on the name of Jesus, who is a strong tower. Amen. And if you're righteous, you can run therein and be saved, right? But you've got to be righteous. That's the difference. And having this light exposes what's not righteous. And it doesn't make you a bad person because you've got some things in you that aren't right. But what it does, it should bring you joy because now I can see what's wrong and I've been given the tools to fix it. So what is going to be hard? So what is a struggle? But even if I didn't have it, it was still going to be that anyway. And it was only going to lead to death. But these struggles, these trials, these situations, they press and they push you for toward a higher end goal, which is to see Jesus. Amen. Instead of. Or instead, it is a change in the attitude and courage in adversity for the believer. And it enables us to bear suffering and even triumph in the midst of it. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, 
thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphant procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. So God, he will cause me to overcome these trials and these situations. And at the same time, everybody can get a whiff of how God works. Why? Because I am this uh, I have this treasure living on the inside of me. Why? Because I'm this poor package with rich merchandise. And when you know better, you do better, right? When you level up, you've got to move a certain type of way. So we don't have to move in a way where we're defeated and we're in despair and you don't know what to do. Because all you've got to do is go to the word of God that has all the answers. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. So I've got to go and see what he says for me to do governing the situation. Amen? The glory of the ministry, it suffers, but it is spiritually benefited. Troubled, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. The believer experiences suffering and death as did Christ, so that Jesus may be revealed and seen in the believer. The power of the treasure is clearly revealed through the weakness and frailty of its mortal recipient. So in my weakness, he is simply made strong. All of these biblical references and scriptures that I'm saying aside from the text are used to support the reason why you've got to activate this light that's in you. It'll help you activate it because when you know about the light, then you're able to operate in it and move about it freely. Amen. What sense does it make to say you're Christian and know nothing about Christ, know nothing about how he told you to live? That's why it's so essential and it's so important that you read your word, not to impress anybody, but so that when those troubles come, you know what to do. And if pastor's not available, you know what to do. You don't always have to go to her and seek the guidance because the same guidance she's going to give you, she got from God. Amen. And the same God that gave her that guidance will be the same God to truly give you what you need to walk on your journey with. Amen. See, the power of the treasure is clearly revealed through our weakness and frailty of its mortal recipient. So verses 10 through 11, even while death is at work in Paul, life is at work through him for the benefit of those to whom he ministers and this provides Paul with the compensation for the cost of his ministry. So this is Paul's pay that because God is at work in him and others are benefiting because of the work that is being done in him causing God to get the glory from Paul and those he ministers to. See our compensation is not always God I'm doing this work and I need a paycheck but sometimes this should just be for the edification of the body of Christ for God. So if God is glorified and the body is edified, then we can be satisfied. More importantly, Paul is confident that should death overcome, the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us together in his presence. This attitude prevents Paul from despair and gives him hope in a new perspective on his present afflictions. So we simply have to learn how to apply this light in our life because we can overcome these obstacles that come. That's the whole purpose of having the word Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. So in closing, 
sufferings of the glory of the ministry has an inner secret of spiritual stature. And the secret is this. There's self-crucifixion, having intense faith, having radiant hope, self-forgetfulness, spiritual strength, proper perspective, and a wise life goal. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus walks on the water. Excuse me. When Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, did he know there was a storm brewing? Absolutely. Yes. So why did he send them into the middle of it? Well, it was to learn, to grow, and to stretch their faith. The Bible tells us shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him, they were scared. It's a ghost, they said. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. There are three important lessons here. First, serving the Lord doesn't exempt you from life's storms, but it protects you when you are in them. Jesus promised in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Secondly, what you perceive as another problem hitting your way may be the Lord coming your way. The disciples thought Jesus was a ghost, but when in reality, he was their deliverer. And thirdly, Jesus may not show up when you want him to, but he will always show up on time. And the disciples have been in the storm for hours before Jesus appeared. And when he had appeared, he said, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Notice that before Jesus dealt with what was troubling them on the outside, he calmed them down on the inside. For he first he changed us or changes us. Then he changes our circumstances. And as a result, we grow in faith and end up better equipped to handle the next storm that blows into our lives. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For it is by the grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God. A dollar bill, right? Uh, what does this value more than any other piece of paper? Uh, it's the wealth it has and the government that issues it out. You can ball it up, you can step on it, you can tear it and put it back together again, and its worth is still the same. Or you can think of a diamond. You get a diamond dirty, it's still a diamond just a dirty one, but it has not lost its value. To truly appreciate the beauty of the diamond, you have to clean it off to restore it back to its original splendor. So what's the point of the dollar and the diamond? That your value in God's eyes as his redeemed child doesn't change or diminish when you get dirty or stepped on or torn apart by life's and its circumstances. That's because your true worth is not determined by your own efforts, but by the price Jesus paid for you on the cross. See, there's a great exchange that took place. All your sins from the cradle to the grave were laid on him. And when you accept him as your savior, all his righteousness is transferred to you. You don't have to strive for it. Guess what? It's a gift. It's given to you. The salvation is not of your own self or of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is simply a gift from God.
2 Corinthians uh, 4 and 18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God has made prayer pretty, uh, or we have made prayer pretty difficult and complicated, but it's really simple. The trouble is we don't always recognize when we're praying. That's because we've often gotten the wrong idea about it. We've been taught that prayer requires a specific environment like church or a certain posture like kneeling or a particular word like thee or thou, and that we must strictly adhere to certain religious rituals. No, prayer is simply talking to God and then being still and allowing him to respond back to you. You can pray anytime, anywhere, about anything, but just directing your thoughts, both spoken and unspoken, towards God. Imagine that all of God's blessings and benefits are stored in a giant warehouse in the spirit realm. Things like forgiveness and strength and wisdom, guidance and favor and resources. Through prayer, you enter God's warehouse of blessings, and by faith, you receive them and bring them back with you into your life. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Whatever you need today, you pray and ask God for it, believing that he will give it to you. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted unto you. So today you don't have to walk around anymore feeling broken, feeling unwhole, feeling discombobulated and all over the place and not knowing which way to go or anything like that. Because you can accept Christ today into your life to shed light on your situation, to give you peace in the midst of your storm and to give you tools to walk through this life when circumstances pop up and you can always triumphant over them. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. God bless you. God keep you. And may you be edified by the word of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. A blessed word. But word in season. I pray that we had ears to hear and a heart to receive. That is a word right in time. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I just, well, we didn't do bad. It's just 1.30. I'm fretting about the time. We had a lot going on because this is youth Sabbath. And we wanted to honor them, but also give information that can help them and to change their lives without ignoring the adults that you got a word from the Lord. I pray that you had ears to hear and a heart to receive what the spirit of the Lord was saying. And um, uh, DeMarco was apologizing at times for certain things, like it sounded like it was, you know, um, he was touching your toes, hitting you. And I was saying, convict them, Lord. I'm not going to apologize. Bring conviction. Because we don't grow if we're not convicted. And that's what the word is supposed to do for believers, is to convict believers and convert unbelievers. That's the power of the word. So we are so grateful and so thankful. Praise the Lord. I am going to, I'm going to uh, go into the benediction. But I just want to send a little shout out about morning glory prayer. This 
Friday at Morning Glory Prayer, it was awesome. Yes. Amen. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. Okay, we had one gentleman. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One gentleman. I'm not going to say man. Yes. We had one gentleman that was present and that just really blessed us Amen. immensely. Okay, but God gave us direction. That, that's going to equip us and empower us to bring a change. And, and at the time, you know how you can feel and sense something so strong? But then afterwards, I got affirmation that this was God's agenda for us at a time like this right now. He's given us an assignment. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I didn't even really, really understand. the. Well, I felt the death of it but I got a greater understanding of the purpose and the timing. So what blesses me that God would speak to your, his children and tell you what you need, when you need it, and then tell you how to put it in force to accomplish what we need to see because you're, he's actually telling you how to approach him to get him to do what he needs to do to bring the change. Amen. 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 And, that's, and that's what we got. And we, we're going to... Uh, perfected and bring it out but God said cover all of the gates in this state okay Hallelujah. for real intercessors I, 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 I recognize real intercessors when I see it when you hear that it's it perks you up okay if we cover all of the gates of interest into this state we're covering all the communities the cities, the townships, whatever. We're covering everything, and it is time to cover it. And if each state was doing that, the power of God would transform everything that we're facing that is negative, will transform it to something that is good. Now, I'm telling you, I got confirmation after confirmation of those instructions. So we're getting ready to uh, create a form that will let you know where the gates are located. So you don't have to be worrying about calling out every little city, every township, every community. Because in order to get to, uh, to those areas, you have to go through a gate. And we're going to set up people to cover those gates, which pushes, pushes back hell from operating. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So as uh, soon as we get it completed and finalized, we're going to have it so pass it out. So anybody that wants to pray these prayers will be able to do so. And we need everybody, including young people, to pray these prayers. God is calling for the body of Christ to rise up, take a stand, and be forceful. Because I don't know whether you've got the whole theme of everything today that anybody had anything to say is faith. Amen. That believers must have faith. Amen. And if we don't start operating in faith, we're not going to see the changes that we need to see. Amen. 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 So let's rise up and elevate that little mustard seed of faith to become great faith and that we will operate with good courage and do what thus says the Lord. That's what makes us different from all other religious cults or the world is that we have a faith. Now, help me, Holy Ghost. 
Let me tell you, if we have faith in Jesus Christ, then that means things can be done that human eyes don't understand and can't can realize. You wouldn't be sitting here looking like you've already been overcome. Because your focus is on your mess. But if you had faith, you would be all perked up because you've heard enough to let you know that Jesus can change your situation. Jesus can fix your situation. And, and, and if you have faith, it will be shown on your face. If, if, if what's been said has penetrated you and caused our, our, our energy to surge through you because, oh, my God, I got the answer. I know. I can see it on your face. You still look defeated. Help us, Holy Ghost. Okay, I'm doing the benediction. Let me do a prayer benediction that elevates faith. Thank you, Jesus. I don't care whether it's changed or not. You've been given the tools to make the change. You've been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven for it to change. Act like you received it. And if you act like you receive it, then God can operate. That one uh, scripture that DeMarco talked about, he says, if you believe and ask in my name, you can have what you say. Why? Because you're asking according to his perfect will. According to his perfect will. And when we beseech him based on his will, we can have what we say. Amen? For this cause, Father, I come before you on bended knees asking for divine intervention to penetrate the hearts of your children that seems to be burdened with natural causes. Remove them out of that natural place. Put them into a a spiritual bubble where they can put their focus on you, the one who can change, rearrange, fix, alter their situation And give them hope, Lord Jesus. Hope that doesn't fade away. Hope that is everlasting. So that we will be able to see how you can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But it's according to the faith. It's according to the faith that you have given to us. God, I praise you in advance for an answer to this prayer. I thank you, Lord, that it is so in the name of Jesus. Lord, we will praise you all this day. Thank you, Jesus, for you are the Lord of everything. And although there may be anger disappointment, whatever inside, your anger can turn away all of the diverse things that are coming against us and bring us comfort because the solution lies within you and our faith pulls it out of you so that our eyes can see the manifestation of the finished product. And for that, Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory in the name of Jesus. Traveling mercies be with you.
you in Jesus' name. Amen.